Welcome to Encompass Church Podcast. We are so glad you've joined us today. To share your story of what God has been doing in you and through you, take a moment to email us at amen at encompass.org.au. Enjoy today's message. You guys can grab your seats. This mic feels very powerful. Um, It's funny. Uh, some people introduce me as very young, but then uh, then I have Damien and company calling me old all the time. I'm in a very confused state at the moment, and uh, I'm going to just go with both. I'm in the middle. Uh, it's a great place to be, is it not? Uh, and uh, let's roll that way. How's everyone doing this morning? Some exciting news, or just something to celebrate as a church, is our Craigieburn campus just turned one years old. One years old. How cool is that, right? And uh, here's a birthday cake. We're all going to... No, there's no birthday. Let's sing happy birthday. Let's not sing happy birthday. But God has moved amazingly in Craigie Burn. Uh, we have seen new people that, haven't, that didn't know Jesus at all come into that church and meet Jesus for the first time, commit their lives to Jesus. People that were disconnected from the church reconnect to their local church through our Craigie Burn campus. You know, they have got so many life groups. They've got so many people serving. Uh, We've gone from obviously the Lawn Bowls Club to now a performing arts centre at the school. God has continued to move. And I believe he's going to move so much more in this next season. Do you believe that? I'm just grateful. Honestly, can we just put our hands together for God and how he's moving in Craigieville? It doesn't just happen. Uh, But God has clearly got his hand over that campus. And uh, I just want to say thank you to the faithfulness in this room. Because if it wasn't for your faithfulness, Craigie Burn would never have happened. If it wasn't for your generosity, your continual faithfulness to this house, I'll be honest with you, it was very, and I, I shouldn't always, it was actually quite easy to plan Craigie Burn campus. And, and I say that with all humility, but it wasn't because of anything we did, it was because God's hand was over it, but also the faithfulness of this room allowed it to be quite easy. And I believe as God continues to do that, uh, as we stay faithful to our house, to God's house, uh, I believe He's going to continue to move. Amazing. I love this year's vision, uh, kingdom, or His kingdom come for the sake of eternity. Everyone say, for the sake of eternity. And, and the three kind of thoughts that we've been talking about, uh, sorry, Tanya Lowe. Tanya Lowe is royalty. She's, a, uh, she's on the mission field uh, she can do whatever she wants. If You should buy her lunch, coffee, everything. Uh, but listen, can we welcome Tanya Lowe? In, uh, she's visiting us for the next eight weeks. Do whatever you want. It's yours. Anyway, uh, sorry. But kingdom for the sake of attorney. Uh, attention span, small. Anyway, uh, but um, uh, for the sake of attorney, and we, and we talked about this. It's seek first. Step one, seek first the kingdom of God. Number two is seeds. We won't despise. We won't, you know, take for granted the small beginnings. God is in the small moments, and then it leads to big things. And then we've talked about steps. Everyone say steps. The the kingdom of God, when he reigns and rules in your life, when he reigns and rules, it's not just a feeling. It's not just like a a nice few words. But when he reigns and rules, it, it starts to happen in your feet. It requires movement to take place. What does the Word of God say about the Word and the feet? It says that the Word of God is a lamp unto my feet. It is a light unto my path. To take God seriously is to take His Word seriously. Can we just start here for a moment before we get into it? To take God's 
God seriously is to take his word seriously. It says in Joshua, it says to, to meditate on the word, study the word of God day and night. It doesn't just say to study it, it says to obey it, follow it, and then you will leave a, lead a prosperous and a blessed life. I just believe when we start looking into the word of God, it's important to know when, to, when, we, take God's, when we take God seriously, it is to take his word seriously. We can't pick and choose what we want to see in the word. We can't pick all the good parts and leave out all the parts that make you and I feel uncomfortable. But we have to embrace all of it. What does it say? It says in the word, it says that man shall not live on bread alone, but by every word that proceeds, that comes from the mouth of God. In Timothy, it says what? That um, all scripture, not some, not just the parts that you and I like, but all scripture is God-breathed. It's from the breath. It's from the mouth of God. To take God seriously is to take his word seriously. And as we gather around the word today, I pray that we will not see the earth through the world lens, but we will see the world through a biblical lens, that we will lean on the word, that we will know his word to be able to live a life from the word of God. Amen? Amen. Amen. Uh, what was I doing now? Let's, let's, let's pray. Let's commit this time to God. And let's believe he's going to move this morning. Amen? Amen. Yeah. All right. Maybe we'll close our eyes. Maybe we won't. We'll do what you want. Let's do it. Heavenly Father, we thank you for today. And uh, we are so grateful for how you're going to move this morning. I just pray that your word will move our hearts this morning. Your voice will be so clear this morning. And as we lean on you, as we lean on your word, transformation will take place. Lives will be changed. I pray, God, this morning that there'll be one heart in this room, that there'll be one purpose in this room, and that will be for you, Jesus. In your name we pray. And everyone said, amen. amen. Hey, could I ask um, that you pray for our little family? Some of you might be wondering where Alyssa, Harley, and the other one is, Amara, I'm just joking. Um, but to be honest, our little girl, uh, Harley, has had a fever for like 20 days, 25 days. And so could you just keep us in your prayers? We're, we're doing all the right things, but um, would you just pray for us as, uh, you know, uh, we just seek healing over Harley's life. Anyway, um, if someone said to you, you could ask for anything you wanted, it's like a last request sort of situation. You're not in jail or anything. It's just like for fun. Like as in, if, if you had one last request, what would it be? Like whether it was a meal or whether it was a holiday, whether it was a house or a car, a million dollars, what would you ask for if someone said to you, what would you like? Oh, for me, the only equivalent I have is birthday time. And my wife will say, uh, you know, you can eat whatever you want. You can have whatever you want. And I'm a very simple person. I, I, I don't want to go away or anything like that. Two things I love. Sport. If I can play sport or watch sport, I am a happy person. Is there any, anyone else with me here? Yes. God, let's do a salvation call, right? This is amazing. Yeah. You're, my, you're my people. I don't know who you are, but I love you. Okay. Anyway, so yeah, like sport. But the second thing, and, and don't judge me, but... If, if I had to choose any meal, and my wife is a great cook, okay, let's just put that to the side. Alyssa, you're a great cook. I love you. Anyway, but I love a hot and spicy pizza, and not from a glamorous place. I love a hot and spicy pizza from Pizza Hut. Why are you laughing? Like, this, 
Who else likes to hunt anyone, any other Indians in the room? Yes. I tell you, it's an Indian thing, I swear, like, as in, because it's a beautiful thing. And, and I tell you, every time, if it's my bed, I'm going, I want a hot and spicy pizza from Pizza Hut. Do not judge me. This is real. But the thing is, is that, like, it just makes me happy. Like, as in, and this would be my, my final request. And, like, as in, the reason why I lit is, and I do it in humor, but there is a serious last request on earth that Jesus actually prays for. You see, out of all the things that Jesus asked for as a last request on earth, he prays a prayer that is one of the longest prayers um, uh, recorded in the Bible. And it's, and it's a prayer from his heart, and he prays for you and I, and it's probably a prayer that you don't expect him to pray. So you might think Jesus prayed his last request was definitely not a hot and spicy pizza. His last request was not for you and I to have power. In Acts, it says that we would be given power from the Holy Spirit. It says in Matthew that whatever we bind on earth will be bound in heaven. What will be loose on earth will be loose in heaven, right? But the thing is, we have power. But he didn't pray for you and I to have power. He didn't pray for you and I to, have, to be blessed and to live a prosperous life. But do you know what Jesus prayed for? His last request as he was on earth. He prayed for you and I, and what he prayed for was unity. Everyone say unity. unity. Now say it like you're unified. Everyone say unity. unity. He prayed for unity. And, and I've got to tell you, as we focus on kingdom relationships this morning, I believe unity, not just a bunch of life groups, but unity should be our aim. Not just all of us coming together in one service, but unity, oneness should be our aim. And I want to show you this prayer in John chapter 17. We referenced it in, um, on Vision Sunday a few weeks ago, but let's read it this morning. It says, my prayer is not for them alone, but I pray also for those, all of us at Encompass Church, who will believe in me through their message, that all of them will be one. Everyone say one. They will be one. Father, just as you and are in me and I am in you, may they also be, uh, be in us so that the world may believe that you have sent me. I have given them the glory that you gave me, that they may be as one as we are one. Father, Son, Holy Spirit, we are one. I in them, you in me, so that they may be brought to complete unity. Then the world will know that you have sent me and have loved them even as you have loved me. Jesus prayed that we would be one, that we would love one another. Jesus prayed when he was, his last prayer on earth, before he was crucified, before he was arrested, his last prayer for you and I is that we would remain united, that there would be a oneness. Unity at its absolute core is not agreement and sameness. Unity at its absolute core is about commitment and one purpose. It is to be committed to each other for one purpose, a commitment to one another. And if that was the prayer of Jesus, well, then it must be important. Like, honestly, as in if that was one of the last prayers of Jesus, this, this must have been an important thing for you and I to capture. And, and here's a question maybe for everyone to reflect on individually this morning, is um, if that was the last prayer of Jesus, well, how are you going fulfilling that prayer? 
why don't you just reflect from how am I going fulfilling this prayer of being committed to one another? Am I fulfilling this prayer, Jesus? Am I, am I an answer to this prayer of being one and unified to the body? Are you committed to the body of Christ? Because to gather on Sunday does not make this a unifying situation. It is logistically unified, but it doesn't mean we have one heart. Just because we have even one service, it doesn't make us one. Because who knows, and maybe you don't know, maybe you do know, but, but unity takes a lot of work. Like who knows that, that unity takes, it takes a lot of effort. Unity takes a lot of time. Potentially unity takes... Uh, requires a lot of blood, sweat, and tears. To put it another way, unity requires sacrifice. Another way to place it is that the price of unity is actually self-sacrifice. It is to give off yourself. Paul writes to the church in Corinth in 1 Corinthians 15, 31, I face death. I sacrifice myself every day. Every day, yes, just as surely as I boast about you in, uh, in, in Jesus Christ. Who knows that, that marriage takes sacrifice? Who, who, anyone happily married here? You'll know that marriage takes sacrifice. I encountered this recently. Um, while my wife is not here, I will share. Why, if you can hear you laughing, please don't, because the, mic, the mics are really good here. It's not good. Anyway, I've recently got a golf bug. You know, when you want to play golf all the time? I don't know if you've ever had this before, but who knows that playing golf now is different to now like that I'm married over when I was single? Like, who knows that you just can't go missing for six hours uh, and spending whatever amounts of money you want on you got to understand, I used to play golf like three times, twice a week. I was terrible at it, like everyone else. But like, as in, I used to just constantly play golf all the time. But recently, some, some people in our church got into golf again, and they started inviting me, and I'm going, guys, I'm in. But who knows that I just wasn't in because I had to go check with my, who knows you have to go check with your wife now. Who knows <laughs> the men are laughing, and I tell you, I should be hearing more amens than laughing, but that's okay. But a robust conversation had to take place with my wife and I. It wasn't an argument. <laughs> but we had to kind of work this out because I wanted to play constantly. You know what I mean? I wanted, just once a week, right? Just, just once a week, here and there, spend whatever amount of money I want. Like, just leave me alone. I need this for my mental health. You know, I, I need this for me. And this robust conversation took place but who knows that my preferences aren't the only priority when your purpose is a healthy marriage. You see, when you want unity, I had to sacrifice something. You know, in Mark it says that two became one, flesh, when it talks about marriage. And so when two become one, both people have to submit to one another out of reverence for Christ. So the thing is, if my preferences are the only way to go, let me tell you, there's no chance of unity. So if I'm saying, babe... Uh, I'm playing twice a week, whether you like it or not. I'm taking this amount of money from the bank, and uh, who knows, that's not going to work with my wife anyway. But, um, but the thing is, is that if I tried that, there would be no chance of unity. 
But both of us require submission. Both of us require a compromise. Both of us require sacrifice in this relationship for unity. Unity only works when both people, when both parties, when everyone is sacrificing something. Unity is not possible if your preferences trump your purpose. Let me tell you something. Unity in our church is not possible if only some of us sacrifice. If only the pastors and leaders sacrifice, but everyone else doesn't. Unity is not possible if only some of us are committed. But for unity to take place, it needs to go deeper than the platform. It needs to go further than the platform. And I'm sure that everyone has a reason of why it's impossible to right now commit to a life group or to commit to unity. Maybe it's a time thing. Maybe it's a priority thing. Maybe, you, the, the, you know, it's, it's not necessary for you right now. But this is what I want to speak into this morning. Is I want to just talk about a few reasons for unity. Reasons for unity. So if you're taking notes, that can be a good, top, bold situation. And we're going to get straight into this. Because I believe that God wants to show you today the benefits and the importance of unity. There are benefits, but there is an importance to unity. Are you ready this morning? Well, number one, it's biblical. I just thought I'd just, as you're going, amen, yes, it's biblical. If it's a priority to God, it should be a priority to you. Unity is a priority to, to God. What is the greatest commandment that we have is that we should love our God with all our heart, mind, and soul, and that we should love our neighbor as ourself. In the Bible, it says to love one another, commit to one another. The words one another, do you know how many times it shows up in the New Testament? It shows up in the New Testament a hundred times in 96 different verses. That's like not a small thing. In the book of Romans, it continues to say to to serve one another. It, It continues to say to be devoted to one another, live in harmony with one another, build one another up. It is constantly re-emphasizing the need for you and I to be in community, to be unified. And so we're just not talking about it because we think life groups are a good idea, but it's a God idea. It's a biblical idea. And what did I say earlier is that we've got to live our life on the Word of God. So if it's biblical, we've got, it's got to be something that we apply to our lives. Let's look at the early church, though. Acts chapter 2, verse 42. They devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. And to the fellowship, to the breaking of, what is it, bread and to prayer, everyone was filled with awe at the many wonders and signs performed by the apostles. All believers were together and had everything in common. Everyone say in common. So they had everything in common. They sold their possessions and property to give to everyone in need. Now watch this. Every day, everyone say every day. Every day they continued to meet together at the temple. Every day they came to the church. Every, as I was reading this passage of Scripture, God just, just shared with me this vision of people coming every day to this church when this church wasn't even built. And I thought, well, did we not see this, this church? Something, I would say the building, the, the building of this room and, and this church is a miracle in itself. But when did it happen? It was when the people were coming every day after work, before work, literally living here to build this. Something amazing happens when you commit to the house, when you commit to each other. And i got to tell you, I felt like God was just saying, you know what, you want to see great things happen for, for, for the kingdom? 
You've got to commit to the house every day. That doesn't mean we're going to start a service every day, by the way. But it means we need to be unified, committed to one another. It doesn't just say they they went to the, the church every day, but it says they broke bread in their homes. They broke bread in their homes and ate together with glad and sincere hearts praising God and enjoying the favor of all people. And the Lord added to their number daily those who were being saved. The early church didn't just meet together on Sundays, but they had dinner during the week. They caught up during the week. They broke down the big gathering. I can't have you all to my house. I'd love to. I could actually invite you right now because no one can stop me. But talk about my wife. Uh, but like, as in I could, but it would be impossible right? But the thing is, is that the, the, the wider community was broken down into small groups in small homes to break bread together. Can I just say, and I don't want to pry into anyone's business, but we need to go back to opening up our houses. I, I know, and I don't want to say, I can't speak for your household, but Alyssa and I are currently like, constantly trying to work out. We've been sick for the last literally 25 days, but and I feel like the enemy is literally trying to get, go against this right now because like, it's getting harder and harder. And we're saying we have to start dating and inviting thing, people to our home and we, get to open, we have to force ourselves to open up our house. Again. I think COVID took away this idea of opening up our house. And we've got to get it back. It is time to, to bring back our community with each other and open up our houses. I grew up in a church where I went to church in the morning at 8 or 9 a.m., and then I used to leave someone's house at like 1 a.m. the next morning because I used to go to lunch at someone else's house from church, and then at dinner, we would just go to someone else's church's house, like someone else's house from church, and we would just go go hang out. Here, I, like, we would play, like as a kid, this is where I grew up in, I'm, I was playing laser tag with church kids in like non-built Greenvale houses. That was like my church life growing up because Sundays was a great morning service, but we spent time together throughout the day and night. It was a beautiful thing. This was being committed to each other. Some of you are going, oh, I used to open up my house, but, but now I don't because, you know, someone else should do that. Can I just say, don't neglect your gifting? What you find easy to do, some people stresses them out for three months to open up their house once, but there's an ease to it. It is a gift to the church. It is a gift to the body to stay committed to each other. If you can be hospitable and open up your house, Sometimes powerful things, something powerful happens when we connect with people at our church but and in homes. You know, I was just talking to a couple of friends and they sent me a video from a few years ago and it was him uh, getting baptised here. And he was just, he was showing it to me and um, I go, oh, that's so cool. And he was sharing his testimony of why he's getting baptised. And then what happened was is that he, he showed me this and I, and I started to reflect on our relationship. I don't think he's here today, but anyway, we won't spot him out either way. And I started to reflect at the fact that, um, you know, we've journeyed a lot of faith moments with these friends of ours. To be honest, we actually had, a, like, we grew up and now kind of having kids, we've had kids at the same time. And now the journey of our family is, is quite the same. And I started to reflect, I'm like going, how did, and I forgot how we met. It was five years ago. When we, started some, when we started a life group at our house. 
And literally, we don't go to the same life group anymore, but pretty much every week, we are always in contact. We are always checking in on each other. We are always just having a laugh together. But it came through the body of Christ. It came through just being connected. It says in Ephesians 4.3, make every effort. Everyone say every effort. To keep the unity of the Spirit through the bond of peace. Let's make every effort to get back into community. Unity isn't just a good idea. It's a biblical idea. Number two is that unity is a preview to heaven. Unity is a preview to heaven. Unity is a reflection of heaven. You know, when you go see a movie, and some of you probably have not seen a movie in a very long time, but that's okay. But um, when you see a movie, there's a bunch of previews. And those previews go for what? 30 or 60 seconds, right? And what is a preview? The previews are the best part of the movie. It is the most action-packed part. It is the most dramatic part. It is the most craziest part. It, it's the best lines. It's the funniest lines. The previews are going to get you hooked to buy a ticket for that movie. Am I right? Like, as in, after that, sometimes you're watching a preview and you're kind of going, man, babe, we've got to go see that movie. Like, you know, you say that literally as you're watching the preview. Let me tell you something. You and I on earth are a preview to heaven. And if people do not see the best of eternal life, if people do not see the best of God through us, let me tell you that. Are they buying tickets to heaven because of you? Are you a good preview to heaven? Are you a good preview? Are people going, man, whatever they're, whatever they're on, I want it. Wherever you're going, I'm following because it's a great preview. Let me tell you something. We need to be great previews to heaven. The way you love someone that is completely different to you in your church community, it's a preview to eternity. When you go through a difficult time with someone, guess what? It's a preview to heaven. When you care for the sick, when you care for someone that's going through something, let me tell you, it is a taste of Jesus. It is a glimpse of church. It is a preview to heaven. Unity is a preview to heaven. I'm going to take a detour for a moment. I don't want to offend anyone, but I just think we should talk about gossip. The words that come out of our mouth. Proverbs 6, 16 to 19. There are six things that the Lord hates. There are seven that God finds detestable. Oh, boy. Are you guys very, uh, you don't have to read together. I'll read it, but just, just it's going to get uncomfortable. It's okay. Haughty eyes. That means, that means pride. A lying tongue. Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that devises wicked schemes. Feet that are quick to rush into evil. Then it goes on. A false witness who pours out lies. And a person who stirs up conflict in the community. A person that stirs up conflict in the community. If we are going to be a preview to heaven, we need to make sure that our script, the words that are coming from our mouth, are from a heavenly place. We need to make sure that the language that we use with each other, even with our spouses, as a, when we're even referencing our church community, referencing anyone in our lives, it needs to come from a heavenly place. Let me tell you, it's like a scuba diver. A scuba diver to function uh, in the world... Uh, sorry, under the water needs what? A, a, an oxygen tank, right? So they function underwater, but they have a tank. For us, we are underwater functioning in the world, but we have a tank from heaven. 
and we're breathing in heaven, and we need to say, God, I am functioning through your word. I am functioning on your principles with a heavenly and a kingdom orientation. What does it say in Proverbs 18, 21? The tongue has the power to bring life and death. Those who will love it will eat its fruit. You choose what you want to do. Ephesians 4, 29. Let no corrupting talk come out of your mouth, but only such that is good for building up others. Let me tell you, if your unsaved and unchurched family is witnessing you and I gossiping and speaking corrupt talk about the church, about the body of Christ, let me tell you something, they will not be attracted to the kingdom of God. They are just getting another dose of the world. I, I know we don't like talk. Let me tell you something, in our household, in, in my, my household, Alyssa and I, we have made it a point that we will defend everyone in this room when you're not in the room. What do I mean by that? Is that it is very easy even with spouses to get into negative talk, to get into corrupt talk. And let me tell you, sometimes, let's just pick on someone today. I'll pick on Bill because it's so easy. Um, if I went home after a day and I came home and I said, babe, do you know what Bill did today? And I started to kind of say some negative things about Bill, like, you know, he did this, that, that. I don't want to make examples because you guys will be like, is it true? It's not true. But if I went home and I said all these things, let me tell you something about my wife and I. My wife does not emphasize what he has done. He does not go, I knew. she does not say, I knew it. She doesn't say, oh, that doesn't surprise me whatsoever. I knew there was something odd about Bill. She doesn't say, oh, I tell you, there was some, you know what, oh, I can confirm that. Oh, you know what she does? She defends Bill, as you should defend everyone else in this room. She says, you know what, that sounds a little bit out of character for Bill. Maybe he was having a bad day. He said, hey, you know what, I don't think that sounds like Bill at all. Maybe that there's a situation, yeah. Maybe there's something else going on. Listen, uh, let's just see how he goes tomorrow, but I don't think anything's wrong. Listen, don't take it personally. Some of us, we live in this toxic world where we're constantly feeding the negative, feeding the gospel. We've got to shut it down. Yeah. Let me tell you something, is that when it comes to defending others, we present things fairly in our marriage, constantly. We are presenting things fairly, and we are always giving the other person that is not there the benefit of the doubt. And I want to tell you, in your marriages, but in our church community, when we are committed to each other, could we present things fairly? Because we all weren't there. And would we defend each other when the other is absent, when, when, when no one can speak for themselves? Could we actually just say, hey, you know what? Could we believe the best in them? Who loves Bill, by the way? Well, I love Bill. I promise you. I'm so sorry, Bill. Bill, we love you. <laughs> Only one person clapped. I just want to put that in. It's a joke. It's a joke. Our kids, our friends, our family are watching us. And they will either get a glimpse of heaven or they will get another dose of the world. We get to choose. And I know there's a lot of people out there. There's a lot of people thinking, hey, why isn't the kingdom of God fixing this world? Why isn't God fixing this world? Well, I believe potentially there are too many believers living simultaneously in heaven and on earth. And you're constantly trying to have one foot in worldliness. And you will not be able to change the world. God uses you and I as vessels to change the world. So therefore, to be used as vessels, we need to make sure that no corrupt talk, 
No gossip comes from our mouth. You might think unity isn't important, but I believe to your son, to your daughter, to your sisters, to your brothers, that it is a preview to heaven. It is either attracting or detracting them from the local church and from eternity. Reasons for unity. Third one is that unity grows you. Unity grows you. When it comes to your faith walk, uh, maybe you have thought that maturity and growth comes from, I don't know, like a Bible study. Like maybe you thought that, that the maturity in your growth comes from if you attend enough, if you give enough, if you serve enough, then I am maturing and growing in my faith. Maybe if I go to Bible college, that's what matures me in my faith. Maybe if I listen to enough churches and podcasts during the week, that is when maturity and growth takes place. Let me tell you something. All those things grow you, but there is only a certain level of growth you can reach on your own. You know, people ask... Why is Accelerate discipling such great people? Why do people grow and accelerate? And a lot of people put it down to the Bible course. A lot of people talk about the leadership course. But what we've noticed, and Alyssa and I have talked about this, it's when a group of people just stick it out together for a year closely, being transparent with each other, being honest with each other, getting angry at each other, and also forgiving each other. That is where growth takes Place. Ephesians chapter 4, verse 13 and 16, it says, Until we reach unity in the faith and in the knowledge of the Son of God and become mature, attaining to the whole measure of fullness of Christ. Instead, speaking the truth in love. You can't speak the truth in love to yourself. You can, but to activate it, to put it into action, you need others around you. So speaking the truth in love, we will grow to become in every respect a mature body of him who is the head, that is Christ. From him, the whole body joined together. When you stay together, when you stay committed and held together by every supporting ligament, it grows and it builds itself up in love. Let me tell you, as a body functions, an eye is just an eye, but it requires a brain to process what it's seeing. Just like a pinky finger, right? Pinky finger, don't know how useful this would be. But if you play netball, it'd be pretty serious. But like, let's, let's be honest here. A pinky finger on its own is, is not potentially not that important. But when you put it into a hand, it allows you to, to grab whether it's a stick, whether, whatever it could be. It allows you to hold something far greater and more strongly in a different way. It has to stay connected, though. If it's not connected, it can't work. It's like the, the toes on your feet. If you miss one toe, let me tell you something. On its own... Not too helpful. But let me tell you, when it's on your foot, when it stays connected, when it stays maturing, when it stays growing, it brings a balance to your life. It brings a balance to how you stand and how you walk. Let me tell you, growth happens in relationship. If you feel like you're a hand or whatever it could be, but you are disconnected from a body, if you are disconnected from community, let me tell you something, growth can only go so far for you. Without others, you'll never be able to show the grace of God that God has extended to you. Without others, you will not be able to show the generosity that God has given you to others. You know, when God asks you to apologize to that person or maybe to forgive that person, well, you can't go around just going, 
If you're, if you're just on your own, you can't just be like, hey, hey, God, I forgive myself. I'm so sorry. And you're like, hey, I'm so sorry you did that. Oh, you can't stay humble on your own. But it requires others to grow you. It requires, to be, it requires you to be in community to grow. I've realized more and more in my own life that I am growing the most when I'm apologizing to people. I'm most like Christ when I'm being humble around everyone else. I'm, when I'm applying the word of God and the voice of God in my life, it's not just for myself, but it is for others. It was, it's for me to exercise with others. You, the thing is, is that to, God uses people to grow us, but that doesn't mean it's going to be easy. This is probably the one, one of the reasons why you've stayed away from community, is maybe someone has hurt you, Maybe the church or people in a church have maybe given you a bad experience. But, but let me tell you something. God's desire is that we have genuine relationship with each other. It is. That we would be totally committed to one another. That we would be non-selective in who we connect with because we're family. That we would bear each other's burdens and that we would go through life together. Highs and lows. We would mourn with those who mourn, and we would rejoice with those who rejoice. The enemy will do whatever he can to keep you and I from unity. I'm going to invite uh, the worship team up right now. This is my last point. Where there is unity, God commands a blessing. Where there is unity, God commands, commands. Everyone say commands. It's not just a nice idea. He commands a blessing. Psalm 133, um, this is what it says. Behold, how good and how pleasant it is for when the brethren dwell together in unity. This is what else it says. Uh, we'll keep reading. It is like the precious ointment upon the head that ran down upon the beard, even Aaron's beard, that went down to the skirts of his garments. And it can get a little bit like confusing of, of what, what this is actually talking about, but let's keep going. As the Jew of Hermon and as, this, and as the Jew that descended upon the mountains of Zion, for there the Lord commanded the blessing, even life forevermore. So it starts talking about the oil on Aaron's head. Let me tell you something. What this passage is firstly acknowledging is that where there is unity, there is fruitfulness. Where there is oneness, there is blessing. And it is, again, it is not talking about a logistical 10 a.m. sort of oneness. It is talking about a self-sacrifice sort of oneness. It is talking about a oneness in purpose, a oneness in heart. But when it starts talking about the oil, it is talking about an anointing that takes place. Where there is unity, there is an anointing. And what does it say? It talks about Aaron's head and then Aaron's beard and then Aaron's garment. And what it is saying is, is that unity can't just take place at the top. It can't just take place on a front row, but it needs to go down to the beard two, three rows down. You see, when there is one heart, unity is not just about a front row or pastors and leaders, but when it goes down to the garment, this is the test of unity, is what does it sound like back on the final row? What does it sound like in the foyer? What does it sound like in the homes? What does it sound like in the other campuses? That's 
where God dwells. That's where God commands a blessing, where unity goes deeper and deeper, further and further. And this is the test of unity. This is the test. Unity just doesn't start and finish at a beard, but it is tested by the hem. How much are we having one heart? How much are we speaking the same language? Unity, you see, where there is an anointing, where there is unity, it doesn't matter about titles. It doesn't matter about, oh, I've got to go speak to the pastors, please. I've got to go speak to that leader because they have the authority. Let me tell you something. Where there is unity, it doesn't matter what t- titles can go out the window. Roles go out the window because when, it's, when unity runs through to the hems, everyone's anointed. Everyone's blessed. Everything takes place because God commands a blessing. Fruitfulness takes place. Unity takes place when we are all committed to one Another Unity takes place when everyone says, I'm going to be directed by God's Word. Not just some of us, not just the front row, not just the first 10 rows, but every campus will be directed by God's Word. Unity takes place when we all desire to be a preview of heaven in our speech, in our decisions, in everything that we do, we are going to desire unity. One heart. Unity takes place when you and I decide I want to grow together. That you and I decide, I'm going to make sacrifice to make sure that we, that you and I, I am making a commitment to you that I'm growing with you. And it may not be nice all the time. It may not be amazing. It may not even be fun half the time. But let me tell you something, we're committed to each other. Because the blood of Jesus binds us together. We are brothers and sisters in Christ. We're family. You know how some people, you got those family members that you wish they weren't family members? No, no, maybe not you. Uh, either me, either. This is not on YouTube, I oh, know. But that's what church family is. We wouldn't choose this subject, but we're family. I don't care what you do. As in the fact is, is that we are one. But unity is not just about a word, about a phrase, but unity is about having one heart. Let's not get fooled by having one service thinking we are united. But it is important that we have one purpose and one heart together. For where unity is, God commands a blessing. Where there is self-sacrifice with each other, God commands a blessing. How many of you want the blessing of God to fall over your life? It is where there is unity. I've been asking God all week, give me an image of this. And he didn't give me one. That's the honest truth. But something in my spirit, he says to me, I'm going to show you this year what unity looks like. We are going to see it real time. In our relate, literally, we are going to see this outworked week in, week out, month in, month out, year in, year out. We're going to see unity take place, and I don't think we can. I don't think we can comprehend what it's going to look like. But I'm excited. I'm on the edge of my seat to say, God, would you show us? Would you reveal this to us? 
Unity is biblical. It's a preview to heaven. It grows you and where there is unity, God commands a blessing. Would you close your eyes right now? I'm just gonna lead us in a salvation call for those that wanna give their heart to Jesus. For those of you that came in today and your walk with Jesus is not where you want it to be and whether you've never given your life to Jesus or maybe you have before but you've just wandered away a little bit, today I believe is the day that you can say, God, I am making a commitment to you. I am giving my life over to you. I'm believing in my my heart and I'm confessing with my mouth that you are Lord and you are Saviour. Let me tell you something. Before we could ever think about making a commitment to God, God made a commitment to you. He gave His life for you. He died for your sins. While your heart was turned away from it, it says... He gave his life for you. So today, with every head bowed, every eye closed, if you're watching online this morning or in any of our campuses, today, if you're just saying, I want to get my life right with Jesus, I want to invite him into my heart. I want to invite him into my life and I want him to reign and rule this morning. If that is you today, would you just lift your hand nice and high? So we can just pray together as one united family. Yep, I see that hand. Anyone else? Yep, I see that hand. Anyone else this morning? Don't be shy. You are part of family this morning. Awesome. I see another hand over there. Make my life right with you, God. That's what we're going to be praying this morning. As one family with one heart. Come on, could we all just say this together and repeat after me? Lord, this day, I invite you into my life. Thank you for dying for my sin, accepting me as I am. I receive you as my Lord and as my Saviour. I commit my life with you and I choose to walk with you. In your name I pray, amen. Come on, could we put our hands together for the hands that went up this morning? If you made a decision this morning, we would love to connect with you. And so if you go to our next step stand or if you speak to any of our team, including ourselves up here, we would love to connect with you and just give you some next steps. I'm just going to pray for us. And, you know, I was talking to Alyssa about, hey, um, you know, do you make everyone hold hands at the end of the service? Because that's, that's unity, right? And I just felt the need just to pray that, that we all have one heart, that there is a oneness of heart in this room. And, 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 and that's what we're going to pray over. But, but I just want to, could you just repeat this after me? I, I just want to talk about the, the, where there is unity, how God commands it. Could you just repeat these lines after me? Just, just roll with me for just a moment, and then we're going to go into worship. Everyone say this, where there is unity... God commands a blessing. Where there is unity, there is the anointing of God. Where there is unity, God sets me apart. Where there is unity, God shows up, God shows out. Where there is unity, there is the blessing of God. Families are healed. People are restored. Miracles take place. Where there is unity, God will move. Would you just stand to your feet right now? Lift both hands. 
Heavenly Father, right now, I pray for every person in this room, for every heart in this room, and Holy Spirit, would you bind us together? Would you bind our hearts together this morning? Would you give us a glimpse of what unity is like this morning, to have one purpose to, and have one heart. Lord, for any excuse, for any reason why we can't commit, for why we can't self-sacrifice, for any hurt that has taken place, I pray, Holy Spirit, that you'll bring healing, that you'll bring restoration. But God, you will give us courage to step into unity, that you will give us courage, God, to commit to one another, to submit to one another, to self-sacrifice with one another. Not so we can be in one room, but we can have one heart. Right now we declare one heart here at Bandura, one heart here at Encompass Church. In your mighty name we pray. And everyone said, Amen. Team, would you lead us this morning? Thanks for listening to this week's message from Encompass Church. If today's message has impacted you and you want to give your life to Jesus, if you need prayer or if you want to get connected to the church, please contact us at office at encompass.org.au. Never miss a moment by following us online. Search for Encompass Church on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram.